Well, welcome to I Know Movies and You Don't. That's with me, your host, Kyle Brule. And if you've been joining us, this is early on in our conversations about the genre of fantasy and, you know, what these kind of stories, whether they are mythological, whether they are fable, whether they are surrealist, all of these incarnations of this kind of genre allow us to reflect upon what stories have to what stories mean to us what these stories mean in their context of history what they they mean in a kind of timelessness and so i i really love this genre and it, its flexibility its expandability and been really enjoying the conversations thus far today we're going to be turning to a production that uh, seems very brazilian on its surface but it's actually it, it was a co-production of italy france brazil and it's seen a kind great of great soccer country great soccer countries actually the lead actor in this movie is a soccer player just yeah so. no no yeah yeah shades of pele to be pele. sure yeah absolutely he he was he was a very uh, okay, yeah. absolutely professional soccer player but uh yeah great soccer countries but uh, also uh countries that i think have a you know, romantic languages. I think countries that also have a sense of music and culture. And I think that's where everything kind of bridged together because the Black Orpheus is a wonderful film on, on its surface and in its context and in, in digging into what it's trying to say. Although that's not the, the reaction that a lot of people have, especially in our, our uh, historicism, uh, modern day and looking back at it. But Black Orpheus, I mean, it won the Palm d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival. It also went on to win Best Picture at the uh, for foreign films at the Academy Awards. I mean, and it's seen kind of an afterlife uh, in, in, our, in, in consideration, a beloved of its time of rele- release, reviled at a time, and finally revived by later, ge- later generations. The movie is set in the favelas of Rio de Janeiro. Those are slums for people who might not necessarily know, although I think a lot of people do. And it's a retelling of the Hellenic myth of Orpheus and... Is it Eurydice or is it Eurydice? Uh, I, I've always said Eurydice, but Eurydice. I, mean, I mean, who knows how they said uh, it right down yeah. back in uh ancient greece ancient greece yeah. uh, you're uh, say it again eurydice ben? eurydice yeah. i like I that the most it. you should have you should have picked up how to say it in uh portuguese so you uh, could say that's the same true word. that's true. all i remember from, from well, <laughs> and then some words are just like no I yeah and no those. yeah eurydice yeah. no i like that and a love story where the ill-fated lovers meet during carnival Brazil's pre-Lenten celebration known for wild and costume festivities. And the story is as old as time, not only because of its mythological connotations, but uh, the film, its audio audiovisual splendor is what made it startingly, startingly new to contemporary audiences. It was shot in Rio and starring a predominantly local actors and all, all mostly black cast. The film became a worldwide sensation and the first of only four films ever to win both the Cannes Film Festival's Palme d'Or and the Academy Award for Best Foreign Film. Only one, only one of four. The soundtrack by Brazilian music legends by Antonio Carlos Jobim, uh, Luiz uh, Bonfa, and João uh, Gilberto popularized the nascent genre of bossa nova, uh, whose cool syncopation soon entered the global jazz canon not soon after, and actually probably thanks purely to Black Orpheus. And it's it's a, this combination of colorful vistas depicted by Rio as a paradise of beautiful people, extravagant costumes, and boisterous revelry 
revelry, a nonstop carnival in spirit and in engagement. Black Orpheus was a literal coming out party for Brazil in the European-American imagination. And yet in the midst of its own artistic flowering in Brazil, the the nation uh, itself has turned its back on Black Orpheus. It seems it's too much of a fantastical origin obviously it is meant to be fantasy but it didn't they they felt like it didn't participate in the realism the consequences and the historical consequences of what the favelas were they saw carnival as kind of a decorative quality i mean rio's black experimental theater gave black actors a platform to combat racism in brazilian culture and society and several members while uh, while appear in black orpheus it was there was a division in its orchestration. Our, uh, Marcel Camus, who makes this movie, is fascinated more in the revelry and the joy rather than what is at the serious consideration of the favelas. And obviously, that's in the contrast of conversation and probably what we're going to delve into today. And how do we react? How do we embrace? And how do we critique Black Orpheus? Because it seemed particularly out of touch at the time when compared to Brazil's revolutionary film culture. It seems out of touch into what the modern context of the gritty use of favelas uh, in such movies like City of God come to mind. But there was a coalescing into kind of the cinema novo movement, a political cinema influenced by Italian neorealism and French New Wave. They wanted to portray the ugly realities of Brazilian life. And uh, Marcel Camus, a more romanticized French auteur, uh, and, and yet this was, I think some people have considered this his only big hit. He has quite an established career, but this is his biggest achievement. I mean, he is kind of combating the guerrilla style and black and white re- rebellion, you know, against the cloak of technicolor found in foreign portrayals like Black Orpheus. It's a homegrown... The, the the homegrown chinchadas or the musical comedies that dominated Brazilian pop culture, they are more in line with the fre- the 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 Western approach, the foreign approach, rather than what the country itself saw as its reality. And that's fair. I think that's a very fair consideration. But I think there some people might be missing the point of Black Orpheus. Black Orpheus, which actually, even in its sense of revelry, its sense of celebration ends quite brutally, ends tragically, and has an ambiguous sort of ending that I think we'll reflect upon today that might say that that all, with all of that celebration in mind, that there is something darker underneath the surface, that perhaps its fixation on trying to be joyful, on trying to be in, in its realm of celebration, and it's utilizing Carnival as a breakaway and to, to, to strip away any sense of identity, to strip away any sense of class and structure, that ruminating on that escapism, that sense of fantasy, does not necessarily last. And I think that's ultimately a kind of longing at the center of Black Orpheus, which for viewers around the world was an introduction to Brazilian culture. I mean, it rendered a service to Brazil just by making it popular. I think there's something to be said about that, that even this one-hit wonder from Camus... Uh, that it, 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 I think it was descriptive and not disparaging. I think it was revelatory and not and, and not exoticized. I think he was he was fascinated with the rea- with the people and their sense of I suppose continuation and spirit beyond the aspects of their reality. And so Camus' vision, while never going to focus focus explicitly on the harshness of favela life, there is no trash in the streams, there is no. Uh, flies there is no uh detritus i mean it is it does seem a bit 
uh, like a fantastical origin of it. But it's not a film about division or dissent. Black Orpheus pays homage to the power of myth, dance, and song, uh, personified in the mythological Orpheus, highlighting the cultural importance of these simple, everyday pleasures. Camus wanted to celebrate the harmony and hope that can flourish even in the poorest of places. And it's for this reason that the film, I think, continues to resonate today, even with some people who are reviled by it, some people who are naysayers of it. I think there's a value to this movie. I think it's a beautiful movie. And in focusing on the characters, the romance, it is an uh, it is a thoroughly devastating emotional movie and uh i do i do have a lot of positive things to say about it but uh, i'm i'm always interested in my guests and the journey that this conversation will take let me introduce them joining uh my partner and up-to-date cinephile ben thalen he is dead reckoner substack uh welcome back to the show sir how are you doing great i'm doing great i got my second cup of coffee going good so i'm feeling good, good. I'm feeling I'm feeling, feeling alive, alive. Feeling, I'm feeling awake. Good. I, I've been <laughs> been immersed immersed in the cinema, uh, never as much as you, Kyle, but m- <laughs> more so than usual. So I feel good about that. Good. I feel no, good yeah. about that. I feel good about the movies. Good. Going I'm, to the movies, watching movies. I'm glad. Well, and this was an assignment. This was you. You're you're doing me a favor. I do. I, a, yeah. No. I'm. Slot. Yeah. No. I'm the. I'm the uh, pinch hitter. I'm the classic pinch hitter. You are. You're. You, I, I'm I have. I have man. I have several pinch hitters, but uh, you know, obviously, none are as good looking and as as That's good. That's true. That's true. Ben I am Thalen. looking pretty good. I, I just got a fresh cut, so I feel good about that. <laughs> I'm not looking as good as the people in this movie who are no, very attractive. Exquisitely this, this, this attractive. Is a, this is a movie yeah, full yes. of like very attractive people. Very, very attractive people. Which, like, if you were going to um, essentialize my culture, I would want you to say, like, oh, uh, there's a lot of hot people. A lot of here. hot people. A lot of hot folks, right? That's all they are. It's just right? hot people. Although, I mean, I mean, like... You know, but that's a that becomes a problem for the person who's less hot, right? Like, <laughs> like, like I've really had to try to look better lately in life because um, when I lived in D.C., I was definitely like a nine or a ten there. But <laughs> but you come to L.A., there's a lot of attractive people in L.A., true, right? It's, it's a more true. attractive city than than Washington D.C. by a long shot. Washington D.C. sometimes called Hollywood for ugly people. So, oh, okay. So I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah, well, I also knew the most about movies there, and now I know the most about politics here. So it's been a hard, very true, hard very transition. True. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a lot of hot people in this movie, which I'm good. I like. I, I mean, we know we know some of. Well, I don't know who's listening, but some of my stances on movies I think are pretty well known. Which is, I'm very pro sex in movies. I like yes. sex. I like yes. sexy people. Like like things that are attractive. A lot of a lot of the innuendo of sex or the the, the yeah, tension so, so, of sex. So, so the, the the sort of sexuality of this movie is something I enjoy. I'm very, I'm always very pro that. Was that I think was, there's no never never enough right? Ne- never enough. Absolutely. I'm, not. I'm I'm always disappointed by the level of sex in most movies. That's that's very fair. So with uh, Black Orpheus being an assignment and engaging in this movie for the first time, I imagine. Yeah, this is the first time I watched it. It's funny when I was when I was a, a young person when I was like a teenager or preteen. My my. My we, there's this family friend of ours, Jay Jay Cravath. Who knows what that guy's doing? Uh, shout out to him if he's a listener. Funny if true. Uh, <laughs> this, this would have been you know a quarter of a century ago. At this point, um, he loved this movie. And he was trying to put it on, and I was like, I don't know what the fuck this is. And, and I'd be like, Okay, I'm I'm going to do whatever kid shit play Nintendo or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so this was my first time actually watching. Well, actually this sitting movie. down and watching. Uh, what did you find? Did you, did you enjoy it? I loved it. I yeah. mean, it's 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 an insanely an impressively kinetic movie. Oh, in yeah. The way that yeah. I just find it. it's so engaging. It's such a such a refreshing break from. 
the just like we we have so many spectacle movies that come out today that we force ourselves to watch uh, for our other project, up to date cinephile, that we go on some sort of a death march through to watch these two and a half hour hulking movies that um, are allegedly supposed to be entertaining spectacles and are in fact very hard to watch. Yeah, yeah, and um, make my mind wander to basically everything else. Uh, this movie absolutely is is just never stops. It never yeah. it never takes a break. It is not concerned with exposition. It's not. It does. Nobody stops to tell you what's going on. There's never a voiceover that sets the scene. You yeah. know where we pull yeah. out to see the planet Earth, and then we slowly push into you know the streets of New York where you know Iron Man is getting shawarma or whatever. There's never any moment like that. The movie just goes, goes, goes. Yeah. And that makes the occasional moments near the end where it is quiet, and it does take a, a beat all the more affecting. Yeah. Now, obviously, we're to get into these these cultural questions of appropriation and who likes it, who doesn't like it, and why. Uh, I, you know, I, I those are not my favorite conversations to have, but I guess we have to have them. Well, and, but I would say as as a purely aesthetic experience, yes, uh, this movie yeah. is is. Uh, a top tier oh, movie. Yeah. Uh, it's just the, the 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 color of it, the 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 mastery of uh, the use of light and shadow, the sort of kinetic nature of the music, the kinetic nature of the acting, absolutely just nonstop. And yeah. uh, and it and, and in doing that, it um it leverages what is you know I mean one thing that great movies that can make a movie great right is a real understanding of the the possibilities of the medium yes right? yeah and i think that this is a movie that is very much uh, in control of what what cinema can do yes, right as, absolutely. A, as a, to be entertaining to yeah, be well, engaging and- to suck you in to make it to so you can't look away yeah. that you you're just excited to be in that world yeah. right which i think is also part of fantasy right i mean when you talk about what makes great fantasy it's a world that you are either want to go into or sort of intrigued by um a world that like feels very real yes. and like oh my god what a what an exciting or interesting i mean obviously it can be dark so you might not want to be there although this one at least a lot of the movie you're like i'd like to go there it's alluring it's enrapturous. But, but 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 that ability to create a world right that is that feels fully realized even if it is fantastical right and that is, you're like, oh my! I'm, I'm seeing a glimpse into this other world. Yeah, that is um, something the movie does uh, exceedingly well. Yeah, it's it's exquisite in its ability to in invite in warmth to a different place of, and 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 again to the idea of fantasy. It's not specifically the authentic reality of favelas it's what it is is the state of mind of people but, okay so, so you you said that okay this is my first point on this whole sure. question like nobody thinks that this is the authentic reality of favelas no. and no. to then to think that like to criticize this movie on the basis of well you're not showing what's really going on well that would assume that people thought that that's what's really going on and and, and i will accept the premise that like there is going to be a tendency amongst some people, certainly earlier when this movie was made, to like look at another culture and want to paint it in broad strokes that are either yeah. Uh, yeah. exceedingly unpleasant or exceedingly appealing, right? That is not going to capture the full reality of what that culture is. But I don't think that I think it's I think it's selling 
it's sort of self-aggrandizing on the part of the critic and selling everyone else a little short to say, like, I know that this isn't real, but they won't I know. agree with you there. Right. Yeah, because, because they, it is sitting they, on... They won't, like, uh, everyone else is going to think, oh, yes, what lovely people, what lovely quaint folks, right, who live like this. <laughs> yeah, and I don't even think that's the point. It's using mythology I mean, it's like imagining that everyone are like, is like the guys in the Muppets that sit on the, what is it, Wal- Waldorf and... Uh, Statler. Statler. Statler and Waldorf. Waldorf yeah. Like, the, everyone is just that dumb. Right, they're like, oh, look at these people. Like, I mean, it's like that's not. I don't know. I mean, I everybody, everything you can think of in history has happened, and yeah. I'm sure some people have read this as like, oh, that's what they're really like down there. But that's a little. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I find that to be a little bit of a. I agree with a you. Silly no, criticism. I agree with you, and I only bring it up because it is part of the conversation. It uh, it, it gets brought up constantly about Black Orpheus. Even our uh, ex uh, prior president uh, Barack Obama. I know, I know this. I, yeah. I, I, it's funny. I almost never do research, but we, yeah, we, we should. You should introduce your other guest. I should. I'll Before just filibuster, we get but we can get it. We can get into what Obama says because I think that's actually really interesting. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it is. It, Are you there's. I'm going to filibuster, sir. There's a wrestling with the reality versus the idea of fantasy yeah. using mythology well, well, and well, backdrop. There is, there is let's put a pin in. Let's put a pin in Barry Obama for a minute. Barry Obama. Yeah, there there is the 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 violence of the favela in that movie. Yeah. Anyway, I just don't know why that person's not bringing it up. I agree. Like yeah. It's there. No, I agree. It, it exists. You no, go to a morgue. You see the police like fighting people off. Yes, you see they do. People they're they're, they're cutting other. through. This there's is, a dude chasing a woman to kill her. Like yes, there's violence. There there is the there's an oppressive sense <clears throat> yeah. of danger and violence that is trying to penetrate the sense of joy that these people might have in this maybe only this particular moment of time and a uh, year round uh, la- uh you know lenten celebration of of carnival and i do think that it's it's wrestling with the reality the, the movie itself is wrestling with the uh, the reality by putting it in mythological fable orientation and by doing so you have to heighten things you have to heighten the color you have to heighten the music you have to heighten the sense of what it is that 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 is living breathing in a psychological and spatial sense here by also then integrating in this kind of metaphor of death metaphor of violence that is on the periphery always hinted at and when you dive into the the cold callousness of bureaucracy in the world and society that that is indifferent to orpheus or or fifi uh, you know in his mm-hmm. his plight you really get a sense of power here and i think people are are looking at it in a superficial sense that the they think the filmmakers had but i think they had a deeper understanding of what they were trying to do than what is being given credit for you're hearing another voice gio maldonado also Hello. friend of the show welcome back sir how are you i'm great i'm i'm we got we got we got to a hot start here I love hot it. start hot start, love hot start. I, I, I like to start hot we can't fuck around. i know i love we can't it fuck around here. no I, I, but, <laughs> I, but i agree <laughs> i agree i also think that not all <clears throat> i mean i'm not brazilian but i am latino so i'm yeah. puerto rico so People will associate Mexicans, Puerto Ricans, all Latinos, anyone in Latin America with crime, drugs, yeah, or anything yes, like that. Yeah. So, you know, it's fine. It is a part of our reality, fine, but that's also a part of reality here. And not all American movies are about drugs yeah. and crime, all sort of things. So I think that it's fair to say that, yeah, we they might not be pick, depicting all the favela and all the complexities of the Brazilian societies yeah, and all that sort of thing, but... The movie doesn't have to do that. Like it's a movie that's about this. 
Doesn't have it's to about it's about this tragic love and, yeah. and the, it caught in this sense of place and time that f- again the energy of that love feels heightened feels energetic and you need to focus on those feelings fantasy is about exaggeration of of fami- of the familiar of familiar yeah. feelings and so to to say that this is you know entrenched in some fault of not considering the 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 contentious reality of yeah. Brazil's history, its history of slavery, its history yeah. of 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 consequence and social ills that the favela represents, I I I, I understand. I understand that that representation. But you, I think Gio, you were correct. And to to wrestle with it in that way, if you are constantly just depicting it in the way that City of God portrays it in its grim reality yeah. i think you're missing you you will also miss what yeah. is is a, a, a humanism that exists in these places people have a ton of fun wherever they are at whatever income level at, in whatever situation they're in there's yeah. always something nice and fun and beautiful to do i mean technically the pandemic was kind of a dystopian future yeah and how much <laughs> of it was us just sitting around you know yeah. doing nothing and cracking jokes at each other you know yeah the dystopia doesn't always have to be, you know, dark, gloomy, you know, existential dread sort of situation. Sure. So I think the same applies to any movie that does that deals with certain areas or Abs- certain absolutely. people or anything like that. So. Well, with that in mind, oh, Black Orpheus was this was a movie that you oh, yeah. wanted to come on on board to talk about. Was it a movie one you had seen before, or two? Was it a, just an excuse to see? It? I had it was an excuse to see it. I've been meaning to watch it for a while. I know I'm very keen on what certain filmmakers that I l- admire like to watch. So yeah. every now and then I'll figure out what movies. And then Guillermo del Toro, I think, said that he wanted he like loved Black Orpheus. So yeah. I was yeah. like, I makes have sense. to, I yeah, have to watch this. Yeah. And and I loved, I just loved the beginning of this movie. It start, it oh, starts out with the Janus films, you know, very quiet Criterion yeah. intro. And then it just like explodes onto the screen with music and dance and color. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, what the hell's going on? Like, what is this? I mean, it it doesn't stop. It's a sensory onslaught. I mean, it is wild. It is so cool. And it, it is. It's part of that that I find so engaging in its splendor. Like, you know, because I feel like if I, being out of place, out of time, not familiar, if I was just dropped into Carnival and dropped into that <clears throat> sense of rhythm and, and music and costuming and color, I would, it would feel exactly like this, this, yeah. this does. And I think the realm of uh, the medium of cinema is meant to encapsulate again the the feeling of that time and that place and that energy and it does a a great job mm-hmm. of just dropping you in and uh as ben said not giving you an ounce of of extrapolation or exposition it just drops you into this feeling and much like much like its lead characters just moving with it moving with the moment you know the momentum of this of the world and that at, at this moment this culture and these people have like a a capture and control of their world like the yeah. and it's in constant celebration it it explodes and that's a good word to put it um so what do you love about the movie well that's definitely a big part we don't have carnival but i've also know festivals back home that are like that yeah. so that energy i appreciate how a whole kind of city can come together 
I do have to say, looking at that. movies like this and like looking at like Latin cultures and like their sense of celebration, I'm like, man, we're boring. We're we're a boring people here. Yeah, in the United well, States. our parades are sucks to be dreary. Well, well, but, I mean, we've got we've got Mardi Gras in New Orleans. That's true. That's true. Well, that you, is who you, who you are really uh, accurately directing your ire at is northern european Protestants, right? <laughs> who are one of the constant sources of ire for me yeah right yeah. not the least of which because their hold on american culture is so complete and it is, so yeah. like at our core we're a we're a protestant people right yeah. which would distinguish us again from the italians the french and the brazilians who are uh who are catholic, catholic? Right? predominantly yeah. And so so is back home. Too. Yeah, yeah. So so obviously, yes, is almost all of Latin America, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Predominant, which of course is a problematic uh, colonial heritage too. I mean, no, yeah. nobody, you know. And and one thing that this movie does do is sort of <laughs> show some of the syncretic nature of Latin American Catholicism, oh, right? Which yeah. is shot through with these um, older traditions, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it has the the. I guess. I don't know what Santeria would be the name for it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. There's the conduit scene where someone's yeah. talking to the spirits. Yes, yes, uh, yes, 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 say, yes. Not a seance, but what? I don't, yeah, yeah. She, I'm not well she, versed she, in she, either religious or anything else. Yeah, but but I mean, you know, obviously here in here in LA, right? We get a lot of the, you know, uh, Mexican culture looms very large. We get something mm-hmm. like Dia de los Muertos, right? Which is very much a kind of like I said, this kind of syncretic thing where it's partially about Catholicism, All Saints Day, but it's all about Halloween. It's about these older, mm-hmm. you know, pagan traditions, right? That's very in keeping with yeah. the kind of, um, you know, which is just the, really the story of Christianity, right? I mean, Christmas is a pagan holiday, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Easter is a pagan holiday, right? Yeah. Like, you won't find anything about bunnies and eggs in the... Uh, in the good book, right? No, so, no, yeah, yeah. So the, the, you see elements of that, and it, and that's that's kind of um, you know shot through, obviously, with you know, I mean, we're taking a Western myth, right? A Greek that's what myth, I love a about pre, it too. A pre-Christian Greek myth. <clears throat> that's right? what I love about it too. Yeah. That it's 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 kind of like a country that has been colonized. Kind of let me grab your story and make it mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. in a way kind of taking ownership about something that it was kind of forced upon you. I it's guess. true. Yeah. Well, it, what's, so let's let's talk. I, I'm glad you brought up this Obama thing because I think it's really interesting. <laughs> so so Obama, what Obama says when he criticizes Black Orpheus is basically like, this was my mom's one of her favorite movies. Yes. Yeah. And what it looked like to me is what my mom came to Hawaii looking for, which is like some simple people right he says it's like the inverse of conrad savages right it's yes he did like yes, these yes. kids Those that are, are just simple and wonderful and i mean so basically what what obama is responding to which i i, I think i think like a lot of like obama is a very um complex modern character about whom, i agree about whom i could say a lot of things and not someone who i have I don't know, I have a lot of I have a lot of thoughts about him. But just to take his point, it's kind of it's kind of a perfect Madeleine for, you know, everything that goes on with the kind of cultural conversation around that. Because who he's really responding to is his mother, right? His mother, who is a good middle class white liberal, right, who wants to see other cultures, right? He want, who wants to romanticize other cultures because she finds her own culture both complex but also lacking, right? Sure. So she yeah. looks around for the sort of simple, good people around the world, and that's what she goes looking for, right? Which is what she can't see in the complex ambiguity of her life. And he finds that annoying, right? Yes, Which, of he course, does. he yeah. does, right? Of course, mm-hmm. he does. It is annoying, 
right? It is annoying when you encounter people who have a very simplistic view of other people, whether it's positive or negative, yeah, right? I agree. Yeah. That it that is um that is racism, right? It is racism to look at any group of people and say like not or any like racially identified group of people and say, "Oh, aren't they so good or aren't they so bad?" Yeah. Or yes. aren't they yeah. so good at music or aren't they so bad at with money or whatever. To have some sort of globalizing view. Yeah, a stereotype. Yeah, that's a stereotype, right? Yeah. We all know. And so he saw this stereotype in his mother and he saw her drawing that in part from this movie and responded to that, right? Yeah. Mm. So understandable from an autobiographical standpoint, right? But also when when you personalize it to that extent, right, you sort of lose the ability to evaluate the thing for what it is. I agree. Right? Yeah. Because at the, and at the end of the day, what you're what you're peddling is <clears throat> is a very personal experience that has to do with your autobiography. As some kind of global insight, right, about the movie as an aesthetic experience. And the issue there that I have, and this is what I have with all these kind of cultural appropriation conversations broadly construed, right, Mm -hmm. is it's an easy – people always are going to make these arguments because they're easy to make, which is why people like them. Whenever anything depicts the other, right, to use a term that, you know, you see in this kind of postmodern dialogue – you're always going to be able to say, well, that's not good. Like if they did a piece of social realism, they say, well, that's too depressing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're, you're always, yeah, there's no winning. There's there's always going to be a path in. So the only response, right, if you are fearful of this criticism, is just never go there. Yeah. Well, yeah. is yeah. that a good response, right, to just say, well, we just can't say anything about it. We can't mm-hmm. make movies about these people. We can't we can't look at that culture at all. Yeah. Right? So, so basically it's just it, it, the reason the argument gets made – is because we live in a takes culture, and it's a take you can always have. You can, yeah. oh, it's an all-purpose anything that's about anybody. I guess outside of yourself, you can always deploy it. Yeah, and I think that it just it, at the end of the day, I'm. I mean, but once again, it's a real thing, right? Like there are offensive portrayals, right? No question, right? But I just think that we've gotten to the point with arguments like this where they're just so often deployed this is true of a lot of things right yeah like uh people have a legitimate criticism but it just gets deployed so often that it sort of loses its meaning and it just kind of flattens everything well and and, and in that context it's like yeah certainly there are offensive portrayals in history and they can be reductive they can be uh offensive you can see that in stuff like mickey rooney and breakfast at tiffany's like you know it's not even an yeah 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 well but 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 what i'm trying to get is that with this movie there is no sense of malice or judgment it is purely a sense of uh, and some people have u- u- utilized the word exoticism to describe it mm. but i think he was fascinated by the revelry and the joy that these people have and he wanted to capture that moment and to capture what the they are trying to get at and so all the characters are depicted in uh, wh- whether they are complex and like mira i think is portrayed in a very complex moral case but most of the characters are are portrayed in a sense of positivity, in a sense of just being human, having human desires of of for each other to uh, also have the wrestling of the, the the attitudes of attraction and of fealty and of what what we all go through, and to depict what is sort of 
even an exaggerated feeling, something of normalcy. And I think treating that and treating that the, this, uh, I think I think it negates that thing about appropriation because while there, while while some people get into the details that uh, bossa nova is not samba, that it's like the upper class version of samba, and like w- without its political connotations, that it was for the uh, that it was invented for palatable taste for white people. People get into that conversation. People mm-hmm. talk about how there's a underlying attitude of West westernizing using greek mythology Mm -hmm. onto this story for for that purpose but as ben you pointed out brazil is a very complicated place it's actually more culturally diverse than this movie even even ventures but that it has a history of slavery it also has a history of integration in a large way it also has a westernized history that is embedded with their sense of selves and their traditions and so i feel like the movie is trying to wrestle with the complex portrait of brazil but leaning towards the side of a heightened joy that uh, that that is depleted in a moment of tragedy that i think is again i think if you're not connecting with essentially what the end of the movie is tapping into that sense of utilizing orpheus and uh oh my goodness uh eurydice eurydice say it how you want to say it there's no right but but eurydice i I think that's the right right way to say eurydice getting into that that templative mythological use i think it is trying to capture something of an idea of a place and definitely not saying that this is this place this is the reality they want to get to an idea and that i think has fascinated us in all sense of stories cultures and fables is this sense of trying to capture an idea of things and that's what fantasy is here for. And I think utilizing this in, in a sense of uh, applying something of a reality on what is clearly a fantasy, I think you're missing the point. I, I, I do agree with you. Gia, how do you feel about this? You know, <laughs> you, 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 it, I think it's important yeah. that people voice certain concerns. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it then brings that conversation to like, okay, does this movie, does this piece of art, does this book, does this... Like does is it really doing the damage that you're saying it's doing? Sure. Yeah. And and you know people will have their own conclusions. None of us here are Brazilian. No, we sure, didn't live sure, in Brazil fact. in the '60s. We don't really know like what it was like uh, if someone felt like they were being accurately portrayed. So we'll never really know the answer. I just think I've thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I think it has really wonderful moments in it, and I think that. If the movie did more for Brazil and for film in Brazil, I think and it for did. Yeah. Other Brazilian films to continue to proliferate and kind of grow to the level we could get something like City of God or anything down the line that was so stylistically rich. Um, I think that I think it's a good thing. I think so. I too. don't think Black Orpheus is a movie that's you know I don't want to say is going to get it canceled. Um, I think it's not Birth of a Nation or something by D.W. <laughs> Griffith, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, it's trying for the will, right? I mean, yeah, we've got exactly. like extreme. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a well beloved film for many wonderful things it did and that it does for the art form. 
and it, we're here talking about it for a reason. No, I, I agree. I agree. Well, and and we we should get caught in its kind of sense of splendor and yeah. and also its sense of tragedy, because I think at the heart of it that that is it's trying to relate something that is familiar. I mean, we, we a, a lot of people know the legend of Orpheus. You know, musician, poet, and prophet, known to charm all living things, even stones. Uh, with his music and tried to bring back his wife Eurydice, uh, a nymph or daughter of Apollo, god of music, son from the underworld. This story has a lot of universal parallels. Uh, I mean, e- even in in Greek mythology, it's it's not alone. I mean, among them, the Japanese myth of Izanagi and Izanami, the Mayan myth of Itzamna and Ishel, the Indian myth of Savitiri and Sadiavan, and uh, you you can go on and on. There, this. It just because it has a westernized approach of naming and familiarity, this descent into the underworld, I think, is something that fascinates all cultures and all uh, ideas of of the transcendence um, and the power of love, romance. And I think it's a perfect setting, right? It's a perfect setting for this kind of mythological tale. I mean, and it it utilizes it to a profound degree. It was based off of Morpho de Conseco by Vinicius de Mores, uh, and it was a musical stage play in 1956, uh, transported, re- reinterpreted with a new kind of sense of music, the emerging bossa nova samba uh, movement that is coming out at that time. And so it, it really is, uh, I think, a, a perfectly in, entrenched idea, even with the c- characters, you know, being saddling them to the the drama of mythology, I think it gives context to the, this kind of once a year blowout of Carnival, where rich and poor alike can masquerade in whatever identities they choose. I think it's purposeful, and I think it it's powerful. So I wanted to ask you guys how you felt about the the translation, the translation, your familiarity either with Orpheus and uh, Eurydice, and uh, how the film embraces that sense of power, that sense of fable in, in its uh, adaptation. Maybe Ben. How did you feel about him? Well, I mean, I'm not really a Greek mythology head. I mean, <laughs> obviously, the the, the the movies or the stories that came to mind, right, watching this were, you know, Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. then, uh, and also very much West Side Story, right, which is oh, yeah. itself just a reinterpretation of the same kind of tragic. Now, that is a racist movie. <laughs> <laughs> save it, we'll Gio. Get it. We'll save it for another time. Save it, Gio. We got that on season nine. <laughs> season nine. <laughs> Looking ahead, that's true. That's true. And, uh, yes, for for for, uh, for our, our Puerto Rican uh, listeners and participants, somewhat closer to uh, to home on that one. But I mean, that's what it brought. That's what it brought me to mind of, right? Yes, yeah. And um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, these stories resonate because they're because of their universality, right? Young love, people in love, out of love, in trouble. Right, tragically dying. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. these these are. I mean, it's not surprising, right, that these are the stories that kind of recur, right? Yeah, I agree. Keep recurring, yeah. mm-hmm. right? I mean, they're so you know, I I I try not to be too reductive, right? Because I do think there's a tendency for some people who, you know, there's there's always this kind of analytical smart person will to power where it's you know. Every story is really one story or two story or yeah. seven stories. It's the seven basic plots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If yeah. you're if you're trying to scam people on your screenwriting class, right? 
So I, but but I mean, there certainly are common themes, right, that recur, right, among them, young love, tragedy, the tragedy sometimes of that love, the attempt to, you know, explain sort of natural phenomenon in the absence of knowledge, right, like of scientific knowledge. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, for for me, I mean, obviously, it's well worn narrative territory, but yeah. I, I'm not, you know. I'm not a I'm not a classics uh, scholar. No, neither am I. No, neither am I. But 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 I I mean, did, did, does this serve well in its kind of classic formula? For did, did, were you engaged with the lovers? Well, yes. In there? I mean, the reason that you tell a story like this, like I, I one of the first things I said is the lack of exposition. Yeah. Right. One thing that really kinetic movies. It's like the point we always come back to about the only good Star Wars movies, which are the original ones, right? Where they have a tremendous kinetic quality to them. And part of the reason they have that or how part of how they effectuate that is by having stock characters, right? Yeah. Stock yeah. characters, stock story, right? There's nothing – you don't need to have it explained to you who these people are any more than you have to have explained to you who Luke Skywalker, Obi-Wan Kenobi is. It's true. Using, yeah. using stock characters in the stock story gives people a way in that lets you focus on – what is unique about what you're doing, which which are thing which are stylistic and cinematic things that don't require you to have some tremendous base of knowledge to know yeah. like, who Thanos is, right, and why he wants the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, which is right? why you, it, where you need to have seen 17 movies to understand how we've been brought to that point. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to understand anything. Everyone knows this story. This is true. Because yeah. it's in our because it's in our bones, right? Yeah. Which is Arch- why people use it. Archetypes and simplicity can have a insane amount of power based off of uh, the, the historical yeah. subconscious and the, and, that we have with these kind of stories. And they liberate you to do the thing that you actually want to do. Absolutely. Which is yeah. create this kind of overwhelming aesthetic experience, right? With with um with pictures and sounds, right? You don't have to like get into the intricacies of who these people are. Yeah. We know who they are. I mean, it's it's engaged in a very particular fantastical a fantastical version of verisimilitude. Like it is very much about this place and context and li- engaging in this the aesthetics, whether it is sound, whether it is visual. Like the, again, the sensory onslaught of this movie is its goal, and uh, and, and it, in a sense to give texture and power to the familiar. And and that's I think its its goal and its ambition. Uh, Gia, how do you respond either to the the base structure of its mi- mythological purpose, but also how it engages with uh, its sense of environment, its sense of character because of yeah. that? Like my friend Ben here, I'm also not a uh, big Greek. I, I think, know I think we can I know all the say basic ones. So I I also. By the, while by, I was, by the way, this is not necessarily a problem, right? Because yeah, most wanna, people aren't. Point that most out. people who engage in movies are not this, and so yeah. like to in, to to find people who are but experts in this field is yeah, almost nerds. doesn't yeah, yeah it doesn't but, yeah, but just, to be fair, but to say uh, after finishing the movie, I did read oh, that whole kind of bit about Orpheus and that legend and his myth, and. I thoroughly enjoyed how they took that myth and adapted it yeah. for this movie and how they reclaimed it, you know, in a sense, like using all these other elements from Brazilian culture and, you know, all these key moments and how you can then use 
you know, how to depict the underworld without having to literally walk into the underworld where you're going into a hospital, into the morgue. And as you're going down the steps, it's the bottom of it is red light yep. to show yeah. you where hell is and, and the use of color and the use of lighting and and just just using real places and giving them a allegorical kind of symbolic meaning yeah, and, yeah. and i think that was really really well well done i mean the what i in setting up the conversation and talking about these criticisms that people have people get locked in what we're we're talking about is in the engagement the initial introduction of this place is in celebration it seems superficial it's all color it's all costume it's all very you could say decorative and exotic and it's at a distance but the more you get involved in it, the closer you get. It, it's, it's, it's a powerful explosion, but then you get invited into its sense of rhythm, its sense mm-hmm. of warmness. But as what you're talking about, there's a deep, deep contrast visually of this movie. Yeah. Where once things are not of the psychological degree of the, the effervescence, the wonder that is romance and beauty, the wonder that is celebration, once the reality of the world and the reality of consequence starts penetrating yeah. it it inverses like w- what you're talking yeah. about is like when they're going down those stairs it's like a pitch black hole as they go down these stairs and once they're down once they're in the cable cars and it, it emits yeah. this red it's like hell it is like hell once you're in the hospital it's there's a cold callousness a bureaucratic distance yeah. for everybody and so i don't feel I, I don't understand why people don't capture that in their sense yeah. of criticism because that's clear it's it's its tone it shifts quite drastically to the latter half of this movie yeah. and be in in is it's just steeped in uh a a tragedy and yeah. there's and and just even the small small details like the the kids yes you know yeah come on come on you gotta play guitar to make the sunrise you know you gotta go play a song and stuff like that's so small like that, it just adds this whole I other just element say, to it I, that I, makes it feel magical I, uh, real quick, because you brought it up. Yeah, that I was devastated by that this time. Yeah. Like I, I, I understand that some people might read into that. That now that Orpheus and Eurydice are dead and in in locked into the statuesque sense of tragedy, that the kids just need to it, the cycle needs to continue needs to and continue. just go on, and that the, and then they start playing and there's a kind of sense of joy because the one girl's dancing and they have smiles on their face. But it was sorrowful. Like yeah. I was like, oh, the fact it's that they that they they are so worried that the sun will not come up, and that they have to engage in a sense of escape it's duty. It's yeah, duty. it's like a duty, and it, it 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 and they're they're plagued by it. And I I thought that hit strikingly hard this time. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you, Ben, how did you feel about it? Yeah, no, I mean. It, just just to reflect on the sort of latter part of the movie generally right i mean it, it's interesting that you brought I, that you brought up the idea of bureaucracy right because insofar as the movie has a political point to make i think that is that is the one right which is this sort of the, the most desolate place that he goes to is the the missing persons department with yeah. all the paper all the wow, papers, yeah. that paper, was paper. such a big moment and and, yeah. and what that really is is kind of i think earned rebuke of kind of European Western bureaucratic culture, right? Mm -hmm. That this idea that where you're being sent in sort of as, as things modernize, right? As we enter the modern world, as exemplified by these kind of bureaucratic buildings, 
is this place where everything is reduced to paper. And in that way, it is almost nihilistic in how it views people as these statistics, right? As these kind of non-entities, right, in some sense, or as these just people who are just a subject of some kind of bookkeeping, right? Yeah. To yeah. me, that was a very powerful little point, right, about the difference between a more fully realized notion of embracing the human experience and yeah. one that is reduced to bureaucracy. Right? But I think it's also about, you know, we touched upon a history in a colonized country, yeah. right? Which is a history throughout South America and Central America and yes. the Caribbean. Like, yes. there is a sense of the people that are missing, like, they are never to be found. Like, yes. this is these are people who are forgotten in history. Like, yes, you know. and they're just they're just the necessary casualties of yeah. Western progress. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. The the hospital sequence reminded me of a French Canadian film called The Gospel According to Matthew, and it's set like a a, a Jesus like figure who is homeless in the like modern day, and how how he bestows the miracle of eyesight and mm. uh, love and heart is that. Uh, when he dies through the horrid bureaucracy and mismanagement of the hospital, uh, his his organs are given to other people. His eyes are given to somebody else. And this it, it was it's a fascinating film. I forget when it came out, but it, it I mean it, it was striking the contrast. Like to, once once Eurydice is uh, I mean and talk about brutal, just a yeah. brutal brutal a, a death of accident and circumstance. Oh, yeah. That was the other thing that I found. That again, the adapting of taking something, because in a way, you could say that it's Orpheus in the original Greek myth. It's clear the rules are: don't turn around. This is the only way I can you can bring yes. God back. Yeah. And then for being eager, he messes up. Right. Yes. So, how to adapt that idea into something different? Yeah. And to actually have him accidentally murder her? Yeah. And I guess he doesn't even notice. He doesn't he know. Did. He doesn't know that that's what that's happened. That's what he did. Yeah. He he you could say he's responsible obviously not responsible because it's the matter of circumstance. Yeah. But that tragedy that is at at the the flip of the switch that he is embedded. You could see the the cable line as the serpent. Like that's an in, mm-hmm. inversion of the original myth that they're trying to invoke. But I mean, the, this sense of of place where this this romance, idyllic and classical, has no has necessarily no place, and I think it's it's ruminating on that. It's saying that in this place where where our celebrations are are uh, mandated to a particular time. And we only get to have this Lenten practice of celebration. And that police, if it goes a little over or gets a little too rebellious and rioty, the police will come in and put an end to it. And they're subjugated by missing persons and death and hospitalization, all, all of which is, is severely exaggerated in its sense of deep tragedy and, and gruesomeness is when he goes to get her body. And it's mm-hmm. just a bunch of bodies just in yeah. this place. There's just a hollowness at at the at the that 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 you know. It, it's it's about again. It's a sense of fantasy. It's sense of exaggeration. This revelry that they have is a sense of heaven, and what he en- ends up going down is going into the utter de- bowels of hell, which is really him going to the the bowels of hell 
are just a reflection of society writ large. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and 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 we know this to be true. Yeah. Right. We know this to be true today. More than I mean, you brought up COVID. Yeah. You know? I mean, I cannot tell you how. I mean, think about how much more comfortable our lives are than the lives of really anyone living mm. in the 60s, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. In the 70s. Like, even rich people didn't have what we have now, it's right? True. Like, it's true. Like, the wonders of uh, regular electricity, hot and cold running water, uh, streaming cable, Air right? conditioning. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, the level at which all of us live, right? would be a level of luxury unknown to people, even the wealthiest people throughout most of history. And yet, guess what? People are fucking miserable. And people are miserable yeah. in part because we live in this sort of uh, nihilistic society, right? Where we've lost, we've lost our religious traditions, right? Which just simply don't deliver for almost anyone anymore. Even if people who regard themselves as religious... Are not getting the kind of sucker from yeah. mystical experience, right? That yeah. they could have gotten because we all live in the, we all we all have to live in this sort of modern world where religion has just lost a lot of its, its a lot true. of its explanatory power. But once again, it hasn't been replaced with anything, right? Mm-hmm. So people feel purposeless. They feel shiftless. They don't know what they're supposed to fucking do with their lives and why. And they are immersed in this culture, which does feel very embodied, like I said, by that, by the missing person's office, right? That to me is like the peak of, it's not the peak of, like, there's, there's a hot, tragic sadness in the movie, but there's also this cold, depressing sadness. And this, 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 this place, which is about a thing, people who are missing, but it has nothing to do with the actual underlying thing, which is human lives gone away, right? It just there's something about that is that is profoundly resonant. Yeah. Right. And I think in our hearts, we all know that. Right. We all know. And yes, to go back to Obama, right, there may be some unfortunate tendency among some people to think, well, it's over there. Right, the answer is over there. Yeah. yeah. Right. But the truth is that nobody knows where the answer is. It's right? true. And um, I don't think this movie claims that the answer is over there because no. the truth is there is no over there because there is no going back. We're all stuck here in this moment, and nobody knows what the way forward is. Right? That's the reality. Like nobody, nobody has the answer. Right? Yeah. But we, but I think we all sense on some level, right, that what this movie is saying in those scenes remains very true, even more true to this day, where we are. We are surrounded by luxury, but still feel just tremendously alienated. Yeah. Well, right? and and then also with this sense, you know, it's it's engaging in an idea of fantasy, and 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 Orpheus at that point is trying to relegate into existence something that is an impossibility. Whether it is venturing in the the aspects of the hospital. Yeah, and, and, and just and just, but I'm sorry, just to finish oh, thought, yeah, like yeah. the hunger for something different is very real. Yes, it's ridiculous yeah. to locate it in the past because you can't go there. That's nostalgia, and it's ridiculous to locate that in like people over there because that yeah that is some sort of ra- like racism stereotyping where it's like oh the good simple people of yeah. wherever you think. The good life is what's not where you are, right? That's all ridiculous. But the the desire, the underlying desire, is very real, yeah. right? To, it's like I want something else. I don't know what I want, but this ain't it, right? And I think if we look around, we see a lot of this ain't it. Well, and I think this movie comes kind of at the front end of a process that we're still very much in, which is like 
seeing the rise of modernity, right? Or the rise of this yeah, particular yes. period of yeah. technological modernism and just finding it just bleak. Just yeah, yeah. empty, right? Empty. Just bleak is empty, just just it's like it's we, we seem to inevitably go in that direction. There seems to be nothing that can stop us. And yet it's not it's not fulfilling us. You could almost say the mythology itself is kind of talking about one aspect that you're talking about is like looking back that's not the answer and and for even orpheus who's constantly his moving forward is in the process of looking back he's even warned to not look back not to look upon eurydice in that state of being because that is what it, that, that's the reality the reality is she's dead the reality is she cannot come back and no matter what he ventures and and any any fantastical notions of moving forward that he can bring her back it's an it's an unreality and it provides no good comfort or solace in looking in the past yeah. or in the in the back well and it also harkens to another uh one of our classic biblical stories which is right eden in the fall right? yes yeah, like everyone senses that there's like I'm no big fan of like original sin and the idea of fallen <laughs> human, right? I sure, think that's all kind of bullshit. But but there is a there is a truth there, which is that people sense that it could be better, right? Yeah, like there's something better that's available to us, but we can't can't quite get there. Right? Yeah, I mean it it is it, this is wrestling with a lot of complicated things. This is not purely just some exotic fan fantasy that someone was like, oh, I wish I could live there and be a mm -hmm. part of this. It's really, it's, it's, it's looking at it in a very complex view. And I mean, even just looking at it's, and this is, we've talked through this season that fantasy can actually invite subtle layers of political leanings, political commentary and actually, the use that uh, Orpheus himself is a samba—he's part of a samba music group. It's—it's not—it's not clearly stated, but people who would know samba as a hailing from Africa was seen as a dangerous expression of black slave culture, mm -hmm. symbolic of unrest and protest. Mm -hmm. The formation of samba schools in Brazil were were a fundamental part, not only of Carnival but of the entirety of Brazilian identity. And the thing is, is it was banned. Like it was, it was not traditionally allowed. Samba music was seen as, as this expression of rebellious spirit and protest. And so the the invention of bossa nova, which this movie is is bringing in, was a a, a kind of a, a radical departure, but intrinsic to its evolution was that it was a continuation of this spirit into a more westernized and maybe palatable sense for the world. And so this is an interesting thing about the music, and we're talking about these like layers of politics, this layers of hint, that in this realm of fantasy, and the fact that he is part of the samba, uh, samba music movement, that they are saying that Orpheus himself is part of a kind of rebellious spirit, part of something that is not engaged with the confines of society, its structure, its bureaucracy, and all of the thing that brings a hollowness to the world. And so that that spirit that is in him is a reflection of that kind of politics. And so uh, th this gives me a, a moment to maybe ask you guys how you felt about the music, which is is probably one of the most brilliant aspects of the movie and its engagement with culture with an introduction and uh, with an embodiment of of the spirit of brazil by but also transitioning it to to a larger audience again there are 
there are complexities to that question. Some mm-hmm. people say it's kind of bastardizes Samba. Some people say it's not genuine, that it's an upper class version. But the thing is, it's it gets people, as as Gio said, it's more complex than that. It gets people introduced to a sense of culture. It gets yeah. introdu- people introduced to the idea. And it, it, and that that is a powerful tool in itself. And so, Gio, how do you feel about the music and its, it, its embrace of culture, but also maybe at what it's trying to get at. Now that I said that, there's kind of a political context to it. Maybe they're trying to get at something in its in the its use of revelatory, while it diminishes in its sense when society becomes more oppressive within the film and its context. How do you feel about it? Well, as I watched the movie, I thought it could be called a dancicle. Just of how much dancing <laughs> it is, a is going on. Yeah, that is a good way of putting um, it. <laughs> love the music in the movie. I think. You know, what are you going to do if the government is banning a style of music? Like then that means you can't get your movie made. You can't express your art, right? So you have to find a way around it. Do I think, you know, could there have been a better solution? Maybe. But, I mean, we know about Samba now, right? Yeah, so do. I feel like that is the best. Like, in a way, it's a peaceful protest through yeah, art. Yeah, You true. have made a movie that kind of put Brazil on the map and then everybody came into Bossa Nova and then they were like, what else do you have? Like, let's dig deeper into your culture and then finding Samba. And then what is the Brazilian government going to do then if the world is interested in yeah, the music? exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's how it played out, but... I think it is how it played out. I just out. feel like that's kind of just one thing leads to the other in a sense, right? So, I mean, the introduction, I mean, obviously all all of the people behind the music, uh Luis Bonfa, Antonio Carlos Jobim, I mean, the themes at the center of it, Maha de Carnaval or Nosa Amor, I mean, they permeated the public consciousness and they changed the music world overnight once it was go. introduced. Uh, they are on par in an unforgettable nature of its essence to say like something like Anton Karras's Zither theme from like yeah. Third Man. There's something intrinsic about the experience of Black Orpheus with its music it, and its permeations influ- influences abounded i mean it influenced uh jazz soundtracks from vince garaldi's 1962 album jazz impressions of black orpheus and that's that's just the other thing though you know also first of all it must be an amazing feeling to revolutionize the music world yes yeah yeah that must be an amazing feeling and if this is the movie that did it i'm sorry no one (laughs) whoever starts to critique that come on you gotta give the movie credit in that sense second you know Every genre of music will in some way be whitewashed or or someone else would then take a crack at it, like you said, with jazz and that sort of thing. It'll evolve the way it'll naturally evolve and it'll just influence other styles of music. That's just what art is. You know, yeah. it's 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 all a symbiotic kind of relationship where everyone's kind of getting inspired by everyone and everyone's doing their take yeah. on this and that. So, you know, I can't be mad that reggaeton came from puerto rico and then ed sheeran is making the most whitewashed version of reggaeton and it just sounds like a perhaps the and it just sounds like a yeah and it just sounds like pop like a fish like a fish belly it's it's pop music but the the rhythm of it is the of reggaeton yeah and i don't care i mean am i like ed sheeran's changing the world no he's just Got influenced by I mean, reggaeton that, music, but that music Caribbean. is intrinsic to that. That 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 foundation may be changing music, yeah. and and that that's important. But you can always trace the lineage of 
music, right? So, yeah. and that's, I think, what's really relevant about this whole movie. And it's, yeah. and it has the big bombastic musical moments, the drums, the percussion, you know, so many like instruments that I grew up around. Yeah. In I mean, that sense, we have different names for some of them, but panderetas, that sort of thing, uh, bongos. The guitars, the nylon guitar, not the acoustic guitar. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, I just think the music is, like I was saying, it's bombastic. It's, and then it's in between, and then it's very calm and soothing and just like beautiful. And, and like the kids playing the guitar at the end, you know, that song, you would smile to it. You might cry to it. You yeah. know, you might like have a slow dance to it. It's, yeah. it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's beautiful all around. And I just think that's, an amazing feat in yeah. a movie. I mean, with even Bossa Nova, ba- Bossa was like slang for like the idiosyncratic culture that it, it was an improvisational, a building, a burgeoning, evolving sense of musical yeah. style. And you get that feeling with music that it, it as communal as it is, that it it it's because of that that it changes it changes us it changes the conversation and it changes an articulation and understanding of people music is very universal even if beats and and certain ideas of percussion and melody and harmony change from different cultures we all have those yeah. things and yeah. so it it brings us together but i think i think that that, that great exposition on the music right and its relation to and just the evolution of music more broadly, right, gives us kind of a great... What's dissatisfying about very simplistic kinds of cultural analysis where it's like, well, this looks like appropriation to me or something, <laughs> is that it it ends up giving you something that's really neither fish nor fowl, right? It's not satisfying as an aesthetic analysis yeah. of the movie, um, which, like, granted, like none of us can live outside history, right? No, we yeah. all have to. I mean, yeah, we I, all bring baggage. Yeah, and appropriation does exist. Yeah, Don't it, get me wrong. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm saying it does is exist. That, that there's, but what I'm what I'm trying to suggest is that there is a much more ambiguous and interesting and difficult to do and less satisfying initially thing that you're hinting at, Gio, which is that. To really put things in their historical and cultural context to think about what came before, what came after, what were the people trying to do, what was the effect, how do we evaluate it. This is actually a very difficult and complex way to look at things, right? And it's not going to yield you a lot of simplistic answers of the form like this was good, this was bad, right? Because at the end of the day, right, what's going on? Well, people for their own reasons, right, their own selfish reasons make certain decisions about how and where to apply their talents, right? How and where to present a certain cultural product, right? Music, film, whatever. They make that calculation. It has these knock-on effects, right? And then there's another iteration of the same process and it goes on and on and on. And so, yes, I mean, we have very simplistic and shitty examples of, I mean, the idea of cultural appropriation comes, you know, at first from like, white people stealing and uh, money and material from black people, right? In very crass and obvious and terrible ways, right? Whether it was like Pat Boone doing Little Richard songs, right? That people yeah. could, that white people could buy. Or their managers getting them to sign terrible contracts, which then get let, left them all the money, right? That's all bad. And we can all agree that that's bad. 
But even the example of, like we said, whitest man ever, maybe Ed Sheeran <laughs> taking reggaeton, even that becomes more ambiguous, right? Because mm-hmm. because I don't think he's engaged in some effort to obscure the roots of reggaeton or to pretend that this was and like... He, and he won't be able to because Bad Bunny's probably bigger than him right yeah, now. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, he, yeah. So, so, so even now, right, the, 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 the picture is more complicated, right? Where you get something where... An artist is bringing in these influences, but it's not sub rosa. Everyone knows. I mean, mm-hmm. every every you know everyone with a Spotify account, right? Which is pretty much everyone like knows where this shit's coming from. And maybe then that leads them to Bad Bunny, which maybe leads them to whatever the antecedent to Bad exactly. Bunny was. Da 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 Right. So the the process of the sort of forging and melding and presentation and selling of culture is this very complicated historical phenomenon, right? That is going to have a lot of ambiguity and a lot of, you know, like I said, a lot of people operating what just in what they perceive to be their self-interest at the moment, whether we now think of them as good guys or bad guys. Yeah. And that that kind of analysis requires so much thinking, so much research, so much sort of engaging with the historical currents, right, that it's 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 hard to do. And it's much more satisfying to say, well, this is bad. And this is good, right? And I think that I think that that's unfortunate, right? Because I think that there actually is like a very interesting project of thinking about the origins and evolution of culture, right? Mm-hmm. But to engage in that project is just a lot of work, and people generally don't want to do the work. Yeah, they generally just want to have like a hot take, right? And when we have sort of a hot take culture. It just, it, it, I mean, this is a conversation Colin and I have a lot. Like, th- we just see this play out so many times, right? Every movie, right? There's some sort of dominant take. Mm. And then there's the person who, who comes up with the counter take. And then there's the people <laughs> who come up with the counter to that. And it just plays out and just, it's like, it's paint by numbers, right? Like, and, and so I'm a big believer in, I, I, I'll, let me put it this way. As I think about this stuff much more and as I grow older, I'm less interested in, in evaluating it in moral terms and more interested in just understanding the phenomenon. Yes. Like yeah, what's that's actually going on here, yeah. right? Before I start to be normative or prescriptive, right? I'm just like, I just want to understand like what, what is happening here. And I think that, uh, I think that that is the more important project. I think it is the necessary project. And I think that, in our rush to like make moral judgments as quickly as possible, we end up often putting the cart before the, the horse. You, you could say that this is like the genesis and the like the Big Bang equivalent of Brazilian mu- music being just erupted onto the scene. And then what you're talking about, Ben, is to to have these conversations. The complexity of reaction to that. I think the explosion, the availability, and the change that this music has delivered. And whether or not we have these conversations about what is technically bossa nova, what is samba, what is wh- whether this is the reality of the music that was played in the favelas, whether this is what is authentic to its experience and take, those things don't yeah. necessarily matter at the expense of what is the explosion of the culture in like, the first place. Like if we were to think about the sort of the the nexus of people and events that brought this movie into being, who was there? Well, there certainly were people from Europe who were like, I can sell this shit. Sure. I can yeah. sell this shit. Mm-hmm. And then there were people who were like, I love this. I want to I want to show the world because I love it. On the Brazilian side, there were people like, I don't know about these people, but I can sell this shit through them and I'll take my I'll take my chances. 
There were other people who said, I'm not going to engage with these people because I feel like it's selling out, right? That whole cornucopia of people. I mean, I, I, I'm i just speculating, right? But like for something like this, which is a big project, there's going to be a lot of different people with a lot of different motives, yeah, right? Some of them that are laudable, some of them that are bad, and a lot of them that are just ambiguously self-interested, right? Sure. There's like, I yeah. can, I, I, maybe this is my chance to make it big, yeah. right? <laughs> it's, it is. So that's it. I mean, we, we keep coming back to like the importance of understanding what power you have when you make these sort of things. So like the effect it'll have. Yeah. Which is why it's important that if someone does think, you know, someone brings up that Black Orpheus is a movie that they believe is detrimental to Brazilian people. You got to then just go, okay, did it, you know, was it like the way Jaws now had makes people kill sharks everywhere yeah. they go? Yeah. Like, did it have a negative effect on Brazil? Did it have a negative effect on its people? And, you know, I think but at did. the same time, I don't like, think it did. I think, th- I think, yeah. I just think people were wrestling with this. But, yeah. But at the same but time, I, you're yeah. also trying to yeah. do, you know, you're also trying to entertain. You're also trying, like, I, I just, it's like, it's this, yeah. this, this element of like, what is, what the point of art is to self-express and to talk about things and to ex- even like show you a part of a world that you don't know that you even can weirdly live vicariously through. You know, I would think, you know, why is the conversation about city of God more easier to, for people to be like, yeah, that's what it's really like. Uh, that's, you know, that's the Brazilian experience. Like, no, it isn't. Like, it is well, one and, of them. And I don't think and this then there's movie... another one over here too. Like, there can be good with the yeah. bad. There, there, you can show the grim violence and the and the extreme, you know, that these gangs and populations go through. But you also can show that they celebrate and they enjoy life too. I I also don't think the aim and the goal of this movie was to showcase what is the authentic life of Brazilians. Like if, if like a documentarian coming into its place, mm-hmm. I think it is the experience of a filmmaker, uh, Camus in particular, fr- a Frenchman coming into a place and having a feeling and, and trying to maybe articulate that feeling with the, the maybe the contrast of despair, the contrast of social ills, the contrast of history mm-hmm. to look at the, to, to see how does, how do the, how do you, transcend that through a realm of culture celebration music etc and you get that sense that he's wrestling with with the reality of the situation with the fantasy and the the warmth and the embrace that maybe he felt immersed from a western and granted from a western perspective of something else but i also think he's not trying to depict it in the reality i think he's trying to engage in aesthetic pronouncement and engagement yeah. with a story that is familiar again because they're it's archetypal we, then, we, we have this conversation a lot that it's archetypal these characters are not necessarily profound in detail but they're symbolic and relatable even with having a different skin color even with having a different background get at. talk about a movie coming out 1959 right yeah and all your protagonists villains people in the background are people of color yeah are black and brown you know and are all the shades that latinos are you know yes yeah but that's the other thing like this isn't a movie where it's so there's a white savior this isn't a movie about white the white characters are more civilized or any of that horrible stuff that has happened before this is a movie about brazilians and and it's about a myth and then that's let's 
go on for the magical ride that the movie takes you. Well, on. and then also that myths. Um, it's a Greek tragedy. It's, even like, if it's a Greek tragedy, like I said, the, the, there are similarities to this in all sorts of cultures. What they're trying to use, they're utilizing some, Greek uh, only in its sense of mythology and scale and and familiarity. But really, they're trying to get to the essence that all walks of life, mm. all people of all skins and colors feel these things, feel romance, feel fear, feel anxiety, yeah. feel desire, and utilizes Orpheus and Eurydice here in this in this context of this particular place of time that is Brazilian, uh, it specifically, but timeless in energy and i i think that it, its engagement with this idea of fantasy is one from a personal take from the filmmaker to engage in it in fantasy mm-hmm. in that way but also to highlight the, his the sense of humanism at the heart of it that there's a relatability to all people all tales because we all experience the same yeah. kinds of stories which, which is which was the sole purpose of the original myth to begin with right yeah, yeah. we tell ourselves stories yeah to cope with the things that we go through, to share emotion, yes. to yeah. you know, be human. And I, I, I'm not crazy. I feel like the last shot of the movie is the actual like Orpheus. Yeah, you it's, really it's, see, star- like, it's it's Greek. It starts with that, yeah, explodes, it yeah. explodes into life and and culture, and then reverts back. Yeah, and it's a way of like I guess showing the theme of like yeah, you know, this is the lineage of this story, and look where we're at, and we're still dealing with human problems yes and, yeah you know we're all the same essentially yeah. we're still dealing with that that story and what it was trying to cope with an aspect of death loss grief or whatever loss of love all of these mm-hmm. things that you could apply to that story we're still de- dealing with that today in all yeah. walks of life all different cu- cultures yeah. and i think that's important also yep. yeah oh, also i just wanted to point out real quick orpheus kind of like not he was he was he was gonna get married Meets the other girl, like he's he's popular guy. He's a uh, he's a uh, he's a lady yeah, man. He seems to, the ladies love him. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I mean, when when you are loved by so many ladies, how what 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 would you do? What would you do? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I I just want to go back to the point you made about Jaws and the sharks thing because I think that that's an always important thing to remember when we when we look back at these things is that nobody really knows what's going to happen. Like the, when the, you make the, something, the, yeah, the, it's yeah, true. The emerging effects of culture and technology nobody can really predict right so like who knows what effect anything is going to have right yeah and, and it's whether the effect is good or bad ultimately it's kind and of and you always hope it's good you always hope unless it's good. you're a bad person doing bad things yeah. which is not what this is yeah but i mean like even when we look at you know at not just cinema but current events whatever there's always this dynamic of things happen there are backlashes to those things maybe something bad happens because of that backlash it's a constant dynamic right and so i mean i don't know what that means in terms of our evaluation of these things except maybe i i i try um i try always to be humble in the in the face of the forces of history because i don't know what's going to happen we look back and we think oh well, of course it played out that way, but, you know, query how good people are at predicting what's going to happen go forward. Uh, people have generally been very bad at that of late. Uh, and the other thing I think, you know, we keep coming back to this idea of City of God. The, the only the only other point I would make is that, I mean, I, it seems to me to be equally problematic if you want to consign people from, like, poorer countries to only have, like, social realism made about yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, that can only be the site of, like, gritty social realism, right? Yeah. Because that that to me is you know 
I mean, it it it, it does it does reek of another kind of kind of the reverse of some of this exoticism we're talking about where like we get to be complex in a way that nobody else does right yeah, like yeah. we can have this that and the other thing about us but the, but, yeah, but they're the like can't, one yeah. thing right we can only do social realism for them and, right and that is you know speaking as a latino like that is what we've been stereotyped as yeah yeah you know, someone wants to go to puerto rico before asking me, but I mean, not everyone. Just but so everyone some knows, Gio's me. got this orange tint around him. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very Soderberghian. It's just <laughs> the. Uh, I'm, is it, I'm where sorry. Is it was that the? Where is it? <laughs> he was like looking for it. I was just saying you you have this orange tint like Mexico does in the uh, Soderbergh. Yes, <laughs> yes. The. the <laughs> the, the lens filter. That was a bad joke. I'm sorry. I apologize. That's okay. It can't all be one. <laughs> No, but like it's it's you're you're put into the category and like and because of something like a movie and it, again I think City of God is a fantastic film. Yeah, no, yeah. They, but they, then people yeah, are good. like, is it safe for me to go to this country? Which I yeah, get all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, can I go to Puerto Rico? Be fine. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm I mean, I don't know. Are you a drug dealer? Like, are you involved in dangerous criminal yeah. activity? If not, I think you'll be fine. Yeah. That shit happens even in America too, right? Yeah, there, that's what I mean. People, I mean, if, if uh, you talk to people. Uh, you know, I lived in Chicago. Now I live in Los Angeles. I mean, you talk to people from outside these places who think that these places are like endless fucking war zones. Yeah. yeah. Right? Even yeah. sometimes one from the other. Like, I even talk to people in LA who think, oh, Chicago, that's dangerous. I'm like, what do you think they think about you, buddy? Yeah. Like, even <laughs> even in our own countries, right, we have this idea that, like, you know, there are some places that are, like, it's like, it's like a fucking demilitarized zone. And... Yeah, you don't want to undersell the fact that there are certain parts of this city or that city that are plagued by violence. Mm-hmm. And that's a real thing. And it's a real problem. But that's not the totality of, like, you know, the the Latin American experience here or in Chicago or the black American experience here or in Chicago, right? That's not... Yeah, yeah, we have these ideas, a lot of them disseminated through pop culture, right? Yeah. Of yeah. Th- that's a that place is dangerous, right? Because of this kind of alleged social realism, right? Mm-hmm. And I agree with you that that's a, every bit as potentially pernicious, right? Especially if it becomes you know, I keep coming back to this movie which I we we reviewed last year which I hated, this movie Antlers, right? But what I said but Terrible one thing movie, that I think yeah. is amazing about Antlers is that we've gotten to the point where you can go to like a certain fucked up rural white community and it feels like the way that the inner city was portrayed when i was younger right (laughs) where it's just like a place of just unmitigated horror right a place where just everything is terrible everybody is dying everybody is on drugs everybody is involved in crime and i said well that really represents an evolution in our society right where you can now tell a story about uh, like t- trademark fucked up white people, right? That you mm-hmm. could only used to tell about fucked up black and brown people, right? But it's the same shit, right? It's just like the creation of this community that is just one note fucking terrible, right? Yeah. And for some reason, and I've made this point before, but it's like we see a terrible portrayal as more quote unquote realistic than a uplifting portrayal, right? Like because it's gritty, Right, but that's just an aesthetic choice, like any other. I agree. Right, that's yeah. just a reductive aesthetic choice. And storytelling is, by its nature, reductive. It can't be otherwise. Right, you can only tell one story. You tell one story to the exclusion of all others every time you do it. But like, I, I think it's a very weird psychological impulse, and it is a kind of othering, right? To say like, well, if that's a group of people that I perceive to be doing worse than me as a sort of as a whole, right, and you show it 
being fucked up, I'm going to accept that as realistic, right? In a way that I will not accept some other portrayal, yeah, right? Yeah. And to me, that's just a, that's every bit as psychologically deluded as thinking that these people are like, you know, magical <sighs> natives, yeah. right? This is a problem. That, that I, I like the word you use, pernicious, because I, just because something has that aesthetic appeal of what we familiarize ourselves with such a strain of like neorealism that has described from from italy to brazil to a a plethora of countries to engage in the social ills and realities of their place it it if that's the only take if that's the only shade of experience i think that takes away a shade and an articulation of of the the entirety of people and And i think it also does a certain disservice to neorealism right we talk no exactly i I share my love of sean baker all the time who i think is sort of the great american neorealist and it's like he depicts these communities in ways that are very dynamic they're Mm -hmm. fucked up but the people are having fun they're having a good time they're finding pleasure where they can because that's the way it is exists yeah they both exist people people yes to, to pretend that people who are poor in America or anywhere, just have these lives of unmitigated sadness. It's, just shows that you've never been which, to those communities. Which is what exactly, exactly. And he's and he and Orpheus says it at the end of the movie. What does he say? The the whatever the what does he say? The lyric is something the poor man yeah. has is singing as like yeah. a way to feel good and all that sort of thing. You know what amazing things have come out. Like there's so many cultural parties, music, and stuff that comes out of communities because. And food and well, all these great things. Look, like, look it's up, not like people are like just yeah, every so day like, waking up and like our uh, my life's fucked my up. life's the worst. Sure, <laughs> every now and then you'll wake up that way, but there's always you always look for the good yeah. because that's just in our nature. And and that there, the, it's the level of fantasy escapism at the at the heart of fantasy is escapism. Music is is central and intrinsic to that. You can even look at the experience of in America where soul and gospel has come from from you know being slaves. And that that it was using a, a form of expression to escape the terrible reality, and something beautiful has come out of something tragic. And you could see that in in the, maybe the desire of this enterprise of Black Orpheus is to even from a Western perspective to come into this place and see, yeah, I, I understand that the reality is not as clean as what I'm going to portray, but maybe I have this vision that it feels cleaner than it is based off of the yeah. jubilance and the, the and the, the the feeling and the warmth that these people engage in in their level to escape what is the reality by engaging in music and song culture each other and that's what the movie feels like plus this is like this the movie takes place during a celebration yeah so i'm just going to give like an example like a recent example, which whenever this comes out, I don't know if it'll be recent, but the Bad Bunny had a concert in Puerto Rico. Okay. And Puerto Rico right now has, has a t- fuck ton of problems with politics and quite clearly its electrical grid. There are power outages literally every day, more than once. People are struggling in hospitals. People are struggling everywhere. It's really bad. He has a concert. Everybody lines up to get tickets. Everybody shows up to this place. There are viewing parties all over the island. People are like pirating a signal for the, cause they were also going to televise the concert. So I pirated it because they weren't showing in <laughs> LA. So obviously watched it in my apartment and it was an enormous moment, like beautiful place for literally everyone of all ages, all of the island could celebrate and have a great time. 
in the concert, he has he takes the moment to say, it's ridiculous that I have to have 15 industrial like power generators to make sure that we don't have an actual outage yeah, yeah. in, in, in this a place concert. that is ostensibly part of the United States of America. Exactly. That's, I mean, we should all so, remember that. That is part of exactly. the United States of America. So that's the other thing, right? right? So this is literally an island where my family is still there. And they are, my sister's trying to study for her bar exam to be yeah. a lawyer. And that literally as she is studying every day, she has blackouts mm. and she has to put up with that shit. Yeah. And has to then light a candle to then, I know it's a small price to pay, I guess, but like there are people that are actually really struggling, people that are actually going through health con- problems. Absolutely. But they the, still have these moments of celebration reliant, where the darkness is there, but yeah. you have this moment to feel great and to into like be a part of a tradition be a part of a ritual yeah. and have that connection with people and your culture and that's what this movie is like yeah there yeah. is all these things in the periphery and you see them as the movie transcends because it's a tragedy yes but yeah. and it's, but it's it, a celebration more, more at the same it. time and i think you it has both things i just don't know why no one sees it you know yeah yeah i, I mean i mean exactly uh, right. yeah obviously yeah it, it th- this movie is it it doesn't ignore the problems. Yeah, it definitely does not. And to say that it does is, I I think a selected kind of memory, a selected engagement. You're with just not this paying movie. attention. I agree. I I, yeah. I think because it, it is trying to expose this. I I th- I think in in utilizing archetypal characters who who are 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 wonderfully played. By uh, Breno Mello and hot at, and just, hot. Uh, I'm Everybody's come back to that. so Looking attractive. Good. Yeah. Looking good. Yeah. Looking good. Like, we like the hot people. They. Uh, I do. I do. And and they and you you feel it. I mean, y- you don't get this sense of tragedy without the sense of uh, again the the insanely positive, warm notions that the movie engages in with the sense of its characters, their sense of the the sexual tension, the brimming traction and romance that i mean how they look at each other oh, is how you is, want someone to look yeah, at you what is the and, name of oh my god the cousin fa fayena fa, serafina yeah so, yeah with her uh husband that showed up from the service comical side Be- adventure but beautiful beautiful fantastic. side adventure i love it she the reason that she's in the in the carnival dancing is because the cousin wanted to stay home with her husband, yeah, yeah and yeah. spend time and have sex, and you and know, also sh- shoving the watermelon in his mouth. I think it's a great sight gag. Oh, that <laughs> was so hilarious, that was, so that good. Was, it was a good one. I mean, and the fact that she puts him kind of through a slapstick hell, like yeah. you know, th- gets him to bump his head on the table, and then it, it just culminates <laughs> into a collusion like to, to togetherness and yeah. and she and she he's like well you always win she's like i won and he's like you always win yeah and it and, and it seems like that it's a dynamic that is again very personal in these kind of characters lives but probably indicative of uh, uh, again the life that's lived within these places you find joy you find connection and yeah. and again it, it's supposed to serve as that 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 Again, it's artificial in a way, much like a lot of fantasy is. When you strip away the artifice, there's something a little darker underneath. But again, I think that artifice is built upon something that's real. Yeah, and I and I do think you know there is one thing that might be a little kind of like that is something that maybe we all kind of have to work on as a society in the world. Like now, we're definitely still in this world where the rich people are miserable and they all hate each other. You know, 
talking succession and all this sort of things. Oh, yeah, yes, like that's yeah, the yeah. world the rich people are in. They're cutthroat. Nobody likes each other. They're all sociopaths, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then there's this sense of like poor people have it all because they have the simple pleasures. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. I think that like no matter if you're poor, rich, middle class, like you you can have those simple pleasures too. Yeah, like yeah, I, yes. that's I an agree. interesting thing that we have to kind of. That's one thing that I I'm always careful about with. So with 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 you know the content we consume because you know in a way it's like yeah. oh well, I'm no, okay I, with yeah. them being in Absolutely. charge well, and that, rich because they're miserable. Well, that's also part of the tricky part of doing what we're trying to do, right? This kind of cultural analysis where nothing is going to give it all to you. So the question is, how do you like get the right like? how do you create the kind of culture that is going to give you the full texture through a variety of different things, right? Because no one movie, no one story, right? I mean, yeah, because think about, like, in America, right, like, 20th century, 21st century, talk about, like, a great tradition of talking about how miserable the middle class is, right? How miserable, like, suburban middle class life is, right? I mean, that's a very deep vein in American Mm -hmm. uh, literature and art in the, you know, taking the sort of, white middle class person who in theory has it all right has got it as good as anyone like this group of people who was getting like i said a level of luxury that was only known to the extreme rich before you know the past 70 80 years right Mm -hmm. and showing how that's a miserable existence too right i mean you can always like all these stories have truth to them which is why they all resonate on some level but like the process of creating a culture that can be rich and, inco- and incorporate these the sort of vast uh, contradictions that are mm-hmm. true for our society writ large and exist in all kinds of communities. I mean, it's it's a you know you, you can't hope that any one piece of culture will have all of that, right? Yeah, and yeah. so and so then it, it becomes even harder, right? Because, like I said, all these all all these stories are acts of editing; they're acts of omission, right? There's they're only going to tell you about one very small thing, if yeah. anything, right? Yeah. So it's it is a tricky proposition, right? To to evaluate these things. I agree with you. You know, going back to the Obama point and toward this movie, you can we can romant. It's very easy to romanticize things that you don't understand and that at some surface level seem appealing, right? Like, oh, sure. if only my life were simpler, right? If only I had the simple <laughs> yes. life, yeah. yeah, right, yeah. But I mean. Yeah, of course, that's bullshit, too, right? Well, we all and, know that. And I think this could go to a conclusion. I, I can summarize on my part, and I want to get your guys' final thoughts as well. But but I think Black Orpheus and its con, uh, its cultural conversation, it it is ignited by the devotion it has for its creation. And I think that I think there's a value in its contention and a value in its division based off of the authenticity of what its aims were. Its aims are simple. Its aims are a reflection of a, a sense of a time, place, and energy that is undeniably captured in this movie. You cannot say, even even if you have these arguments on whether the music was authentic to the actual favelas, whether it, it, it's, it, it's again, the white middle class in, 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 in version of that Samba-esque cultural center. Uh, th- those details, uh, I, th- I think, muddy the, the consideration because I think it is about tapping into what fantasy does best, and it's capturing a place, an idea of a place, an idea of a place that is through the use of exaggerations, whether it is these colors, the fantastic carnival costumes. I mean, the level of detail that's put into this movie on just an aesthetic scale 
is a wonder, involvement, to your involvement into the movie. And I like that the movie also then utilizes its sense of place to bring an inversion, bring a sense of, of eeriness and discomfort that is on the periphery of all of their celebrations. We have to keep in mind, Geo made a point, that this is a celebration, and it's a time of celebration that feels like it's the only time that they're able to rid themselves of class, rid themselves of structure, rid themselves of identity, and become... I think that's what's very important, is like Orpheus and Eurydice like, are not necessarily emblematic or a mirror of their own destiny and fate based off of their names, but Carnival allows them to become those lovers, to mm-hmm. become, to strip away the confines. He's frustrated by his bonds, frustrated by this marriage that he does probably does not necessarily want to enter to. And in that that the, this this place of celebration to remove all of these things, there's there's death on the periphery, death intertwining, involved in the ceremony, and then as the tragedy unfolds and gets deeper and deeper into its analysis, and then culminates to another accidental death of reaction, overreaction to the lovers entwined, not realizing one is dead, and casts Orpheus to his own death. Uh, part of this whole Greek mythological sense of tragedy is that it replicates and mirrors. I I find this movie to be incredibly powerful in its embodiment of that mythology, embodiment of that tragedy, at the mirroring and contrasting of that sense of joy. Because at the heart of it all, whether it's accurate or not, it is trying to capture a sense that is pristinely felt by somebody in articulating a people and and their populace and their their sense of energy and joy that uh, the real world is either constantly encroaching upon or insisting upon and if we could only if if only we could live in a, a, a throw the throes of carnival and strip our ourselves away from those things that itself is the fantasy and the movie, slowly erodes that fantasy to a, 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 a grim and bleak look at what is the cycle of replenishing that sense of mythology. The, the, the kids having to now carry on that voice, carry on that sense of song. There's something really lyrical, beautiful, and tragic in this encapsulation of life. And while it m- might not necessarily be Brazil in its it's full entity. I don't think. Again, I don't think that's the point. It's in. It's metaphorical. It's in. It, it's representative. It's symbolic, and I think it helps that there are true Brazilians playing out these parts and showcasing that shade of color, showcasing that shade of culture, to give life to what is a timeless tale that we all experience. And I really appreciate that about this film. And I really like talking it out with you guys today, getting a, a, a good grasp on why I really appreciate it, why I, I, I grate and against uh, the, these reviled notions. And, and, and again, we're, we're, none of us are saying that any of these perceptions, any of these observations, any of these critiques are not necessarily uh, inaccurate. But I think that they are a separate consideration, and uh, they, they are meant for a separate conversation that this ignited, this brought forth to the world something beautiful and interesting and different, 
and it, it and those conversations i think are all valuable and uh we we i i think that's where i'm gonna land on today i think that was a very this was a very good conversation i want to get my guest final thoughts maybe ben thalen how'd you like to summarize our talk on black orpheus yeah i, I like the note that you end on right because i mean i think in, in our own ways we've been sort of critical of a reductive reading of this is just simply some sort of cultural appropriation but just like you know like the point about jaws which i think is like i said again a really great point you know our uh, the way that we perceive these cultural things right movies stories music whatever and the conversation around them is this ever evolving and dynamic thing yeah yeah and so i think at different points people are going to have different feelings different frustrations you could see someone very easily going from being excited that this exists because it showcases part of their culture to feeling frustrated because it is uh, not embracing the fullness of their culture to wanting more to being able to embrace it again once the more comes right and once it becomes not just one thing but part of a broader tableau yeah that's the dynamic of these kinds of cultural conversations and i'm always of the opinion that we should do our best to pull these things out and look at them as they are, you know, not because we can rid ourselves of history or live outside of history, but because I love cinema and I think it's worth trying to appreciate the things as, as they exist without constantly freighting them with 60 plus 70 plus years of cultural commentary. Yeah, right. Yeah. But you know, I think I think when we try to look at these things dynamically and from a high enough view, we can also appreciate the cultural conversation around them as dynamic and try to engage with it as itself a historical process, right? Yeah. Because, like I said, I can, you know, when I take a step back from my own enjoyment of this movie as a purely aesthetic experience, I can see, like I said, I could see literally the same person feeling over the course of their lifetime proud frustrated reconciled all of those things right because this is such a dynamic process which so much with so many emerging events and properties right yeah. that you can't even anticipate no right not at all uh, and part of such a broad and difficult and complex historical conversation right not only about cinema this movie art music colonialism history politics it's such a big you know you can keep on you can think about it and think about it, and then your brain just starts to hurt and then you <laughs> need to take a nap, right, or something. Yeah. But, it's but, true. But so, although I'm critical of that, I, I guess I, I, I would finish by saying, you know, I think, the, I think there is value there, and I think the value is in just having the conversation and trying to keep on an unpacking and unpacking and rethinking these very deep and difficult questions, right? Yeah. Which are never going to be resolved by sort of a quick take of this is good or this is bad or whatever. Never. But are, yeah. but are worth having because in thinking about them, I mean, the reason that I, it, I, I like talking about historical context time and thinking about historical political uh, context is because it's just part of the slow process of trying to be less stupid and trying to enrich your perspective, which invariably should always be getting more nuanced, more complex, more ambiguous yeah. or humble in the face of just very complex historical yeah. phenomena 
that we are always just sort of groping to understand. Yeah. So that that's my final thought. Well, but I mean, but I mean, like I said, from as a purely aesthetic experience, I love this movie, and I think that um, I think that there is a lot of joy and pleasure to be taken well, from it. On that, yeah. On that Ab- absolutely. I think on aesthetic, just in costuming, just in the the gorgeous leads, and and being engaged in their romance. I mean, you really do believe that they ha- uh, have a fealty to each other and, and uh, love it, love it first sight feeling and it's it it's it's invoked and enhanced by the splendor of the music the dancical that geo has said like very, the, lots of dancing, lots of dancing o- almost like where, where you're like what what is the point of the dancing like it just keeps going but it is about a sense of rhythm yeah. and a sense of getting wrapped up in the energies of of stripping away i mean when you when you dance uh, at least that I hear, because I'm not a dancer. It Everyone's strips a dancer. A, it yeah. strips away. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you let it. You let it go. Just let it go. It, can, but it, it comes naturally to some people. You strip it away. You strip away everything. You just are in it. You're in the process. Well, you don't like and, to be yeah. intoxicated either. That's so very that's true. Part of the problem. Yeah. I don't like it. I mean, dances. You know, when you when you come from my my part of the world, it. Beats start going and your body just moves and you that's can't right. do anything so I, about I, I it. Do, I do not have this gift uh, yeah. that, that you have. I do not that's, have that's, it. That's uh, unfortunate. Although I am German, so polka music when it comes on, I, hey. you know, I start doing the not chicken hard to dance. Find the beat there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um, I, I think in talking about the this idea of humility and ambiguity and being exposed to things. That process starts by integration. It's it's the process has to happen by being exposed to something else, and I would this this exposes us to so much. And while there's more complexity once you get into the deeper picture of it all, it exposes us first and foremost. And I think that is in the process. It's it's about engagement. It's about acceptance. It's about seeing what is familiar in what is different. And uh, Black Orpheus is trying to wrestle with that complex notion. It it's it's again. I I, th- I think it's doing a service that is. Again, being being judged in a large, its larger service is being judged in a, I think, an interesting note of critique and commentary that I, I think we need to embrace its fold and embrace again, embrace what is just rap, rapturous about it, like it just to just be invested in this tragedy, invested in its emotions because it is a deeply tragic and haunting film at the end of it, e- even even when invited into its sense of celebration it ends with a kind of eeriness and a disquieting lyricism that uh, i th- i think is powerful and uh, if if you are able to go through that process it en- engages you in a different way engages you in realizing that this that at, at the at the center of perhaps warmness at the center of perhaps cultural explosion there 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 can be tragedy at, at the periphery or maybe an under the surface and the movie is engaged in that question uh geo how would you like to summarize our talk on black orpheus i loved it it was so much fun i actually think the ending is not as tragic um That's i fair. think the movie sets up that there's an afterlife because you, you are you, correct you are he correct. walks into that scene where everyone is kind of contacting the dead and becoming conduits or I don't know what you call them. Yeah, it would be yeah. it would conduits. be conduits. Kind of any term we can think of. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And and 
Eurydice. Eurydice uh, <laughs> talks to him from uh, from an elderly woman, and then if she is actually in the astral plane, Eurydice. Jesus Eurydice, Christ! If I'm I, I'm terrible. I'm so I also a did dead, a podcast. It's a dead language. It's yeah. a dead language. I also did a podcast for this, and so did Geo. So we're yeah. all very tired. Yeah. So if he died, they died. They and the image is that they're dead together. Which, by the way, I know it's. You know they're dead, so it's kind of weird to say this is a beautiful image, but they're but together is, on this is, is on this beautiful like it. plant, and there's something really fantastical and magical about that yeah. image of the sun rising, the two of them dead but together, and most likely reunited in the afterlife. And I kind of found that to be like a little uh, promising. I don't know. I thought that That's was a, a happy ending. I, it's it's interesting because like obviously I th- I think that is a accurate and and reasonable interpretation i, I for me it it, stru- it just struck me how these children have to carry on yeah. and what i think is going to be an endless cycle of this kind of tragedy mm. but maybe that in in this way of looking at, at at tragedy of the 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 cycle of life and death in its entirety that that's life in general and yeah. that you have to find again these little pleasures of music and engagement and connection when you can and while you can because that's because life in general is is ultimately ends the same way mm-hmm. well and and then to say that it's recognition of an afterlife obviously it has fantastical notions it has fantastical notions maybe it's it, it's the fever dream of orpheus and his desperation to try, try and mm. find the answer but i think i think there is a piece in the image and in the end that i re- i wrestle with both because i th- i think there's there can be sadness but there's also joy and again that's life and i think it is a reflection of that yeah. ben did you have any thoughts on the end like how how you interpreted it i think you're both right i think, I think that's I think, fair. I think it's a tragic comic Thing, it's right? a very yeah. uh, that's a very DC answer. Well, right? no, but, but, I mean, but I mean, I mean, but, but the kids are right. You got to keep going on, right? You I mean, do, I agree yeah, with you. you. It's yeah. sad, but they'll all get old and die the, too. The sun right? has I mean, to it's, the sun has to rise. I mean, yeah. they'll either mm-hmm. get old and die, or they'll die young, right? But they'll die. Like, yeah. I mean, so what do you do? You you can sing, you can play music, you can you can lay down and just die right now, right? I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, but, but it is that yeah. that's. Yeah. I mean the. The great tragedies are all the things that we can't avoid, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're all gonna die. I mean, like, sorry, spoilers. The spoiler alert. That's the only spoiler alert you're gonna get. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, so so yeah, seeing children who are having to kind of cope with that and the the burden of carrying on, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's 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 it is it is sad. It is kind of well, I want to say it's emotion. It it makes one emotional. It does because you kind of see. You see it all right there: life, yeah. death, birth. It's overwhelming. Yeah, it's very the, the the basics of life, the fundamentals of life, which we have to encounter and reencounter, and we do it through art. Right, are overwhelmingly um, emotional. Right? Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, I thought this was a great conversation about Black Orpheus. So it was uh, slightly different than what I had in mind, but obviously, it. I, I think I think we got to the heart of like what what how we wrestle with 
a kind of cultural piece of work and yeah. and uh, all of its complexities and uh I, I having this conversation it gave a lot of illumination to how i feel and and, and about the film and how i wrestle with it on a constant basis so i, I really appreciate it and thalen uh, dead reckoner Substack, uh, yeah. up-to-date cinephile got, you can find content. on that but you, content 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 all the time yeah nothing uh, but. and uh but uh anything else any any uh, are you working on any no, other that's series enough. that's <laughs> enough right now <laughs> well no sometimes you do like seriously like you did that documentary series with like samuel like yeah no, it, no I, I mean i got a few things uh i got a review with therlene that'll that'll be out well before this comes out i suspect because yeah. i don't really take any time to do anything like you <laughs> uh so i'll just release it basically as soon as i record it but yeah not nothing else uh gotcha. more ambitious than that sure uh, on the horizon no no well fantastic uh geo your screenwriter Yes. Um, and it, we we always tease that you're you're constantly Maybe. working on but, yeah. something. But, but yeah, uh, you know, it'd be hilarious if like when this comes out, I actually have something out. But I then know. people still think I don't. It'd be great. It would be great. No, yeah, yeah. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Let's say yeah, uh, uh, Oscar-winning screenwriter. Gio. Gio wow. We're going wow. to manifest it right here. <laughs> Manifesting. No pressure. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. Um, I mean, what, what, what an um, achievement you're going to have, Gio. Yeah. Um, I, I look forward to that time. Um, what's, the other, what's the bad one? Ra- the Razzies? What's the, what is it they give? Oh, to yeah. The stuff yeah. that sucks? I mean, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, awards and award. The, that means you recognition, got, recognition, all the, all the, you got all the, money. It's all good. No, yeah. no such thing as bad publicity. Yeah. Well, I guess I should let people know what the next episode is. Uh, if you are continuing our continuing our study, continuing our conversations, we're going to be turning to uh, a more, uh, I, I think, worthy of the criticism of appropriation <laughs> conversation on. We're going to turn to the artistry of Ray Harryhausen that brought to life the seventh voyage of Sinbad, which is a very white interpretation of this very uh what is it uh arabic well, a, a, tale. A, a forgotten comedian right great in the great in the movie necessary roughness right <laughs> you know just just maybe someone who deserves a reevaluation. So you heard of that the, the, there's the they they talk about this there's a form of like memory where the where people fill in the gap where people think that there was a sinbad movie that where he played a is genie. The, is this the Mandela effect thing? Is it no? Mandela? It's like, no, that's effect the opposite of the Mandela effect. Because uh. the Mandela effect is thinking like that's like the Berenstein Bears thing, where thinking yeah. something has changed or something didn't happen. This is like thinking something did happen. Yeah, that, that didn't something exists happen. and that it doesn't. There's yeah. no evidence of it existing. But people are like, no, I saw this movie with Sinbad and he played a genie. Uh, it uh, they're exists. clearly just thinking of Shazam, and they're they're, they're clearly... so racist they can't even tell these people <laughs> apart. But that, every time I hear Sinbad, I think of that. I, I'm going to look it up after this. Uh, th- there was this process of of thinking where, and they they assessed it, and it's very strange. But yeah, Kazam. Yeah, you're thinking of Kazam. Kazam, uh, Shazam, uh, whatever. Oh, Shaz- whatever. The Shaquille <laughs> O'Neal one. The Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, yeah, Shaq. he's a genie. Yeah, in yeah, the movie, exactly. Yeah, Kazam. Um, Maybe I'm doing it. Too. <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> who knows what's happening. Movie. <laughs> anyway, um, but the seventh voyage of Sinbad, obviously a very problematic production in a sense of its whiteness. But I will say, Ray Harryhausen is one of the profound, I, I suppose, influencers on our idea of monsters, our idea of of other worlds, and bringing that splendor to a grandiose life through stop motion animation. We talk heavily about Ray Harryhausen and his his 
attention to detail, his attention uh, to fluidity and movement and an engagement with set pieces. And uh, it was, a, it was a, I, I can say this in an anachronistic fashion, very fun conversation for it, an appreciation for that form of practical effects and artistry that uh, you don't necessarily see anymore. So uh, it's, it's a good one. Ch- check it out. Uh, go watch the movie, even if it's, uh, it, it's definitely not of the best quality, but I think there's a lot of engagement to be had in the conversation in the aftermath. So uh, prepare the, thyselves. Well, Gio, Ben, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. And for those listening, thank you for joining I Know Movies and You Don't. That's with me, your host, Kyle Brühl. And we'll see you later. Thank you.